Welcome to the Student Affairs Spectacular, the weekly podcast giving you a front row seat to the greatest student affairs show on earth. And now your ringmasters, Tom Kriegelstein and Dustin Ramsdell. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to this awesome episode of the Student Affairs Spectacular podcast. Dustin here, and this is episode number 97. Kimberly White, uh, she's returning to the show for this episode, so we're very happy to welcome her back. Uh, she is one of our uh, uh, favorite guests and uh, just a member of the uh, Student First Collective Leadership team, so um, I've gotten to know Kim pretty well, and it's really great to chat about the stuff that she does and um, all the great perspectives that she has and the uh, things that she writes about on her super cool blog. And um, yeah, the focus is uh, leadership theories for this episode, and it goes off on a couple different directions, but um, it's all good stuff. Uh, a lot of great things about mindfulness, uh, being patient, being empathetic and understanding with people and being uh, individualistic with them and kind of understanding where they're coming from. So um yeah, Kim is great. This episode is great, and we talk about a lot of great stuff. So um, you can check it out all in the uh, show notes, as usual. And after this brief message, will be uh, episode number 97 with Kimberly White. In anticipation of the upcoming launch of the College Guidebook First Year Student of First Year Success that comes from our friends at Swift Kick and our fearless leader, Tom Krugelstein. We're going to have quick interviews with Tom that go into the process of writing, editing, and publishing your own book. So these are going to go up to the launch of the book on March 29th, uh, and they're going to be really awesome. So I hope you enjoy. So writing a book is a pretty big deal. Like, How did you break down that big task of writing an entire book? Yeah, it's funny because in my mind, the concept of writing a book is like you have to disappear from society for a year or two years, you know, like yeah. go into your special place and then you come out with this this manuscript of life. Yeah. Uh, but we, we changed that. And, and the phrase that stuck with me was like, how do you eat an elephant piece by piece? Mm-hmm. And knowing that like it's a big project, but if we just tackle it every week, just a little bit of it as a team and divide out the work, uh, that's what's going to allow us to get to the end result and not feel like we had to disappear from, from our significant others to make this thing happen. Yeah, it's great to hear. Teamwork makes the dream work, right? <laughs> you can look forward to the launch of the upcoming book, First Year Student to First Year Success, coming out on March 29th. For more information, check out studentaffairscollective.org or swiftkickhq.com. So yeah, so how has your uh, week been so far? I don't know if you uh, got up to anything interesting for uh, Valentine's Day recently. <laughs> I did. Uh, I have pretty low-key Valentine's Day, but it was a very good day, a little bit more special than what a normal Sunday would be like for us, so I really enjoyed that. Yeah, nice. Yeah, how was your week? Yeah, yeah, everything's uh, moving quickly. We're doing... Um, uh, as of the recording of this episode, we're uh, hiring for our RAs at my institution, so I'm uh, playing a uh, bit of a part in that and just uh, gathering all the application stuff and organizing everything. And uh, yeah, I also had a, a nice, low-key, relaxed uh, Valentine's. We made uh, dinner at home together and just had some quality time that we'd been uh, uh, kind of missing, and uh, we had some of our favorite wine, so... <laughs> Uh, it's a good time, yeah. Um, <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. yeah, we did kind of the same thing, uh, just a, a little bit of quality time, cooking meals together just before things got crazy for both of us uh, because my boyfriend works at UAB too, but he is in the medical side, so it's like, you know, he's got crazy things going on. He's on call. I've got crazy things going on. I get end up being on call, mm. so it's nice to be able to just take that time and just – 
how to cherish it before you know we get into the hazy craziness of the week right yeah definitely every uh, because i think it is like we'll just like i've gotten more into the habit of like being conscious of uh, you know, my partner's calendar when I book things just because it's like, well, I don't want to just like, you know, if I could do it some other time, don't book it for the like the little bit of time that we have that we could, you know, uh, mm-hmm. have dinner together or do something mm-hmm. else. So, um, yeah, that was actually, we watched, um, I'm not sure if you're aware of the show, uh, Parenthood. Uh, cool. And there was like a whole episode that was about like, you know, like uh, this younger couple that was like, oh, we don't need to like organize our lives or like share calendars and that kind of stuff. And of course they end up like, okay, we need to do it because we need to, you know, make sure somebody's picking up the ch- our child and like, <laughs> you know, just managing all that stuff. And it is one of the like, you know, if you really want to make time for each other, you got to like share your calendars and like think about, you know, just, yeah, what, like what, what times are going to be kind of, uh, you know, kind of high intensity times for uh, one person right. or the other and be conscious of that. Of just like, oh, okay, I know you have a lot going on right now, so I'll take care of like the apartment or you know or Mm -hmm. let's make sure we schedule time because we'll both be uh uh, preoccupied or something but um yeah so and i uh i appreciate you coming back to the show uh, uh, a few repeat guests uh that we've had so far um and i remember telling you that you were one of uh uh, one of our favorite guests that we had, one of the best. So um, <laughs> that's high <we're> gonna... <laughs> praise. <laughs> yeah, it is very, very high praise. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, so I wanted to uh, delve more, you know, specifically into leadership stuff. So that's what we'll be talking sure. about today. But uh, briefly, uh, before we get into all that, uh, just for uh, reintroduction to people who may have heard of the other episode, and introduction for people who may not have heard it. Um, just give a quick introduction of who you are, um, how you got to be uh, where you are today, and kind of just updating us uh, from when you were here last time, which was like back in March of last year, so almost a full calendar year. It's our, our annual check-in and annual podcast recording. <laughs> yeah, we could just make it like a regular thing, yeah. Great. So I currently serve as an academic advisor at the University of Alabama at Birmingham, which is a large four-year public institution in Birmingham, Alabama. I typically work with pre-nursing students. So I also work with our pre-health profession students. So I oversee students who are interested in healthcare management and biomedical sciences. And I took this role on in November. So this is pretty brand new for me, but it's been a really exciting process. Before this, and the last time we talked, Dustin, I was overseeing the internship program at Birmingham Southern College, which is a small liberal arts college across town in Birmingham. And I was in that role for about a year and a half after graduating with my master's in higher education and student affairs. So it's been a nice transition. I've always bridged, worked in the bridge of student affairs and academic affairs. So it's nice to be able to continue that in some ways in this role. And we can get into it a little bit more, but one part of the work I do as an advisor involves helping to implement and create our first year experience course. So I'm working on ways to incorporate leadership development in that, which is a really exciting process and bridging a little bit of academic affairs and student affairs in the classroom. Yeah, all very cool stuff. And, um, yeah, that was, it's, uh, it was really cool to hear when you got the uh, the new job, and it's definitely a big thing uh, between this time and last. Uh, yeah. Uh, really cool stuff. Um, well, I guess I'm curious, too, because some of what we'll, we'll talk about with, like, leadership theories and things uh, connects really directly back to your blog and your writing and uh, that kind of stuff that you're uh, interested in. I, I don't know if anything big has changed for you, um, maybe just in your perspective or uh, your like energy or effort into uh, the blog. Do you feel like anything's changed for you since, uh, you know, like this time last year with uh, the blog and the writing and um, I don't know, just anything associated with that? Yeah, of course. So 
I've changed a little bit um, in terms of focus. So leadership development has always been an important aspect of the blog. I've also tried to incorporate my home, so Birmingham, kind of what I call my hometown, to just kind of add something a little bit different from, I don't want to say your average student affairs blog, but any other student affairs blog that you see out there, I like to add my own spin to it. So I've been trying to feature more of my home and of Birmingham and just kind of sip of my life outside of the typical nine to five or, you know, eight to eight or weekends, nights, other duties as assigned as you get in student mm -hmm. affairs. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> But in terms of the focus on leadership and, you know, talking about academic affairs and student affairs and switching lenses and focusing on theory, I have tried to make that as congruent as possible, especially as I have changed roles. But it's interesting to see how I've used different perspectives and different experiences when I'm talking about these theories. So one really nice example of that is the Theorist Crush Tuesday post series that I've been working on with Katie Campbell, who has been absolutely wonderful in this process. But we have been looking at different student development and leadership and advising theories through our personal experiences and through those lenses. So it goes really nicely with the Leadership Friday series I did last year, where I'm actually revisiting some of those theories, like Aston's theory of involvement, mm -hmm. and looking at it through the work I'm doing now. So it's interesting to go back and look at some of those posts and how am I going to reimagine this from a different lens? How am I going to make that content fresh and interesting and not sound like a rehash of what I did last year? So it's nice to be able to continue that content and continue to show growth, but also include different aspects of just the experience of being in higher education. Mm. Yeah. And I feel, yeah, cause you had like a lot of your stuff kind of, um, I know it like helped me of just sort of like, okay, I'm going to do like these, these kinds of posts on like days of the week mm -hmm. or something kind of just like keep yeah. like a sort of, uh, routine like that. So you know, I know that was really cool to see and definitely wanted to, uh, highlight that. So if people come over, uh, we'll link over to your blog and, uh, they can <laughs> check all that kind of stuff out. So, yeah, leadership is, you know, a big highlight, uh, kind of a big focus mm -hmm. for uh, your blog. So I guess in a nutshell, I don't know if it is just very broad or general, but sure. um, what do you like to focus on with leadership theories that you talk about? And like, what's kind of your reasoning behind kind of your, your focus that you have? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think it's something that has developed over time. You know, I started blogging more regularly at the beginning of 2015. So it's been just over a year that I have been regularly posting two to three times a week and reflecting on my experiences. So I think when it comes to the leadership theories that I'm talking about and how I'm interpreting them and how I'm implementing them, I think that the one kind of thread that goes through all of those posts really focuses on my lived experience as a professional. So lately I've been discussing leadership development and academic affairs in working with at-risk students, you know, undeclared pre-nursing, those students who do not have a declared defined major just yet tend to be more at risk. So I'm talking more about how to empower that population, how to work closely with them as not just their advisor, but as almost like a team member and a coach in some ways. And I'm talking about that because it's salient to me right now. But in the past, I've talked about career development. I've talked about implementing leadership in the classroom, which is something that will continue as I continue to implement our first year experience course and watch my co-advisors implement theirs. So that's really been the way that I try to focus on it. I know that I can talk about my lived experience in the best way that I can because it's something that I have been through. So that's really the focus that and the lens that I'm using when I'm talking about leadership theory. And 
you know, for me being an external processor, it's good for me to be able to share my knowledge and perspectives as well as processing these experiences as I go. You know, I post things two weeks to a month or so ahead. So it really is reflective of what I'm doing now, what I'm experiencing now, what is challenging me now, which I think and would hope would help others as they are experiencing similar things and using these leadership theories in their own lenses, in their own classrooms, in their own advising meetings. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess just the sort of synthesize that of kind of what I heard from that is like, because, <laughs> you know, these leadership theories are so kind of kind of broad and big and general and everything. So it's sort of like highlighting something and then sort of zooming it down to your own experience and kind of how does it play out or, you know, how does it resonate, I guess, in your sort of day-to-day kind of more functional thing versus it being just this broad, general, you know, theoretical kind of thing. Is, is that kind of how you see it, I guess, or just, I don't know if, it, if I'm off base there. Yeah, that's a much better way than I described it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, well, it, it, yeah, because it, it, it totally makes yeah. sense because it, like, it... Um, I think with any kind of theory, of course, yeah, it's, again, it's, it's, it's theory. It's just someone sort of like, you know, they're kind of um, synthesizing something and making it kind of, I guess, like, I don't want to say like diluted, but it's just kind of like, It's you up know, in the air. It's in the yeah, sky somewhere. Yeah. It's how is that theory going to help my student who's sitting across from me when I tell them that they're not going to go to nursing school at UAB? Hmm. You know, how can I interpret their experience through a different theory or how can I use different, you know, always use chickering, right? How can I interpret a student's experience and what's going on underneath the surface through different vectors? And I mean, it's, it makes more sense for me to talk about it in terms of what I'm doing every day and how I'm implementing a theory every day rather than, you know, what's in the textbook. So my hope is that as I start to share those things, that helps other folks who are processing their own experiences to do the same. And it's a, you know, the, the process is never regulated. You know, I write as I feel inspired. I'll write three posts in a day, then I won't write, you know, again for two weeks. So, you know, it's sometimes I feel like I don't have as specific of a focus as, you know, maybe perceived in front of the scenes, but behind the scenes, it's just me processing and reflecting and being mindful of the situations that I'm in and, and yeah, how to take those theories and bring them down to the ground. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's kind of alluded to kind of this two-part question that I have mm-hmm. coming up next, but I guess you noted kind of working with students kind of, you know, you, you are uh, bringing these theories down to earth and, you know, how can I, you know, like you said, how can I use this for like this student that's sitting in front of me right now when I'm talking to them? But I guess in a different way, because I, I feel like I've seen this with like different things that I've learned in grad school or, mm-hmm. um, you know, through jobs or whatever, like there's things that you learn can help you just in like everyday life, just, you know, totally outside of work, just personally. Do you feel like really digging in with all these theories is like just help you with your personal life at all and any like kind of specific anecdotes? Sure. I think one of the biggest changes I've seen just in my life, especially through these professional transitions and the growth I've experienced is just being mindful I've changed the focus of my blog a little bit, and I mentioned before, you know, I'm trying to include more of my hometown and my experiences outside of the advising appointment, outside of the classroom, into that space. And I feel like I've done that partially to show the impact that these theories, that reflecting on leadership and that just generally being mindful has, you know, kind of come into my life as I've grown as an individual over the past year or so, you know, um, Veronica with her Milagrous Moments blog and her mindfulness series and just her 
wonderful approach to working with students and to just think about how you're going through these experiences and how you can be a better practitioner through being mindful, I think, has really impacted me personally. And it's a little bit different from thinking of the theory specifically, but I think just that mindfulness piece has not only allowed me to better serve others in my life, but it's also allowed me to better understand how these theories can be applied to working with students and working with others. And it seems like it's easier said than done because it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I can, I can sort of get that of just like, if you um, really go deep into these theories, it kind of is about, you know, kind of taking a step back or taking a pause and kind of trying to figure out where people are and how you can kind of reach them and, um, you know, why they may be doing the things that they're doing or uh, not doing, I guess. But um I think, yeah, that definitely makes sense of just sort of like having that mindfulness and that patience and that sort of uh, empathy, I guess, uh, mm -hmm. definitely makes sense of kind of how it would impact you personally. Because, yeah, I know like uh, through uh, taking counseling classes in grad school, I feel like that helped me be obviously just like a better listener and asking good questions. And yeah. um, I've, uh, I took like a positive psychology course, which uh, we talked to the professor that I had for, for that class for a recent podcast episode. And I... Cool. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, like, I think that like a lot of it was very much kind of these daily habits that you can um, put into your life and that directly impacted my personal life, but also, mm -hmm. you know, just helped me try to be more of a, a positive person in uh, my work life as well. But um, since yeah. I guess all that gets, you know, it's kind of all blended together, but. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. And it does blend together because, you know, we do so much of our time is spent working, but I think you can see where it bleeds into, especially if you're taking that time to be mindful where it bleeds into your personal life too you know i've kind of seen it most specifically in two different aspects one is you know taking that time and those appointments that i have you know all day long just sitting meeting with different students learning about their experiences and listening to them has helped me to become really and i know this is something we could probably both agree on it helps you become a better partner mm -hmm. you know i can be more supportive i can have more empathy and i can have a more in my mind, at least, I think it's a more helpful response, a more effective and efficient response for that person because I'm taking that time to put the phone down, shut the computer screen off, and just listen. And the more you listen to these same people, whether it's the same student, it's the same partner, it's the same friend, you start to be more aware of the best ways to respond and to help them. So I think that's something I've started to hone as a skill for my students, but I see how it just works wonders for, you know, just building those types of close relationships that you have with others. And I've also, and I will talk about this at this time, it's a an upcoming post, but by the time you all hear this, it will have already posted. Mm -hmm. I recently purchased a mindfulness journal, which is just a small field notes journal that, you know, I just jot down little observations about myself, about others, about just my experience that really has helped me to continue to hone that craft of how can I listen to you wholeheartedly and understand your experiences beyond just what you're telling me to support you as an individual in the best way possible. So I think that's one of the other things about these theories is we think about like the social change model and individual leadership development. There's so many blanket statements in that, that if you don't take the time to think about how that will work for that person, for that student, it can get lost on them and it's not as effective. So you can see how these things kind of bleed into personal and professional lives, depending on where the need is. Yeah, totally. Um, well, and I guess just because, uh, you know, the two part was sort of like 
you know, personally and work related to like your work with yeah. students and how these things have impacted. And you alluded to that a lot, but I guess like a through way that I'm, I'm hearing now, especially in that, that uh, previous answer is that you really try to make, you know, your work with students very individualized. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess, I don't know, is that just something that you do or do you feel like that's kind of necessary for, you know, advising students? Like you can't just kind of like, you know, rubber stamp or kind of like get them through, you know, the cogs of the machine kind of thing. Do you feel like for academic advising, I don't know if that's sort of ubiquitous or assumed or not, but uh, do you feel like kind of individualization is important? And, you know, these theories help you understand where a particular person might be personally and how you can best help them. Do you you feel like, I guess that's just you or like important generally for anybody who is an academic advisor? Yeah, I think academic advising is such a large field and we work with so many different populations that different advisors will have a different answer for this. And that's okay, depending on what you're doing. I mean, at transfer orientation, I will write down a student's courses on a check sheet and I will put them in front of the computer. And aside from, hey, do you have any trouble registering? Is it going okay? They won't get as much individualized attention from me. But when a student is in my office and we're doing a one-on-one appointment, I really do try to be as individualized as possible because every student appointment, especially a one-on-one, especially the 45-minute time slots we have on Fridays, which is a special kind of service that we provide for Mm -hmm. students on that day, it really provides me with the opportunity to learn and the chance to work toward developing a leader in that in that position in that those 45 minutes or 30 minutes in my appointments on the other days. So that is a really important thing to me. And I love being able to share my lessons learned on the blog and continue to process those things so I can bring it back to my students. So I really do just to kind of get back and answer your question. I really do try to be as individualized in terms of the attention I give to my students and the support that I give to them because I recognize that they need different things from me and they're coming to my office for different reasons. And within that risk population, I really want to go as far as I can to the ends of the earth for them to support them, but recognize that I can't help everybody, which can be a really difficult part of this type of role. But I also recognize at times you do have to give that blanket, this is a class you should take, or that blanket rule of you need a certain GPA to apply for nursing. But I think beneath that, we can give them a lot more individualized attention in the role as an advisor. Hmm. Yeah. Because, yeah, I guess by, by the nature of all of our works, you know, there's just policies that it's like, yeah, this is the same for everybody. We, yeah, you know, this is just how it's going to be. But uh, along the way, you know, we can uh, give a little bit of uh, individualized attention. But um, a, a question that just popped in my head, and I'll be, I'll be curious, I guess, uh, yeah. what your response is. Do you, do you feel like there's like one, you know, like your favorite theory or like your kind of mainstay theory or do you feel like you kind of have a blend of everything because i feel like i don't know i guess both again i'm a very relative person i get like one or the other isn't better or worse than the other you know kind of having a very you know kind of focused framework that you you know look at students and it's kind of just like really mostly based out of this one theory um or uh i know i guess personally i, I feel like i kind of use like just like a blend of kind of a lot of different uh, student development theories. I'm Mm -hmm. curious what your perspective is on that. Yeah, I definitely have my favorites and there are ones that I tend to kind of pick on more than others, you know, in, in my shared space, in my blog space. But I think it's a blend too. And I will be 
talking a little bit about my approach to academic advising appointments in the coming weeks, so be excited for that, where I talk about basically this very question. I think my approach to leadership and to advising students really is a blend of different theories put together, but in terms of the way that I lead and the way that I manage people, you know, I'm a big fan of Greenleaf and of servant leadership and always finding ways to roll my sleeves up and help out, whether that's, you know, taking a bunch of laptops out of the boxes and setting them up for our students, or that's being here on a Saturday to check folks in for an orientation or for family day, talking on a panel, something like that, all the way up to higher level committee work discussing, you know, and implementing how our syllabus will look or what different, you know, trying out different lessons from our, our new FYE, you know, those types of things. So servant leadership is always really important to me on more of a macro level. And then of course, grateful leadership is something that I always try to take advantage of just implementing aspects of that in my one-on-one -on -one appointments, you know, letting my students know that they are appreciated and that even if the academic plan that they come in with might need to be changed that we can still figure it out together and I've had students you know jokingly tell me that I make it sound really easy and I know it's always easier said than done but I think at the end of the day I want them to see me as somebody who appreciates them and their talent so you know I think it is definitely a blend but there are some that I tend to use more than others whether that's working with my colleagues or it's working with a student. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Well you've noted like some I think a couple of resources already. So uh, we'll make sure everything that we talk about is down in the show notes. But what, what's some stuff that's, uh, I guess, been kind of on your mind or been kind of um, good things that you've been reading or checking out lately? Yeah, I think in, in addition to, you know, just more resources about servant leadership and about grateful leadership, which I've written about uh, in both, both of those theories in different contexts over the course of the past year, a little over a year now that I have been taking the time to share my experiences. But and I've got to say, the Student Affairs Collective writing team and the WESA blog team, they have been putting out some amazing content. And it's funny because, you know, I've said that I've switched gears a little bit in the lens that I'm using as I'm talking about my experiences to focus a little bit more on mindfulness and about taking that time to savor the moment. Well, a few of the posts that have come up lately on both the SAC and on WESA have focused on happiness and on mindfulness and on balance. And, you know, they're, they're just incredible pieces that really just show how important it is to make sure, one, that our bucket is filled before we try to fill others' buckets, but also just taking the time to really be in the moment, be present with the student, listen to them fully, and be able to give as much of ourselves back in the most effective way to serve that student in that moment that situation. So, you know, Sarah Shields posts about Google cannot help you find happiness, you know, talking about just being intentional and being mindful. Again, Veronica's posts on mindfulness on her own blog, but also on the SAC. I mean, it's, it's really great work. And I'm really glad to see other voices that are embracing this type of approach instead of, you know, glorifying busy, glorifying, you know, having as many students as possible in your office in numbers, but instead focusing on, I'm going to take all the time time that's needed to take care of you the person sitting in front of me right now yeah very good stuff very important um and, it's, and it does feel like it's something that's like really out there in the zeitgeist and in the ether of you know just breaking down this sort of like you know glorification of busy but it, mm -hmm. it just feels like it's like this very large like you know just kind of slab of marble that we just kind of continually just chisel away at um 
because it does like it's just i think it's a natural reflex for people for whatever reason it's just very deeply ingrained in the culture and stuff and just like like yeah kind of like quality over quantity and just like focus Mm -hmm. and you know yeah like mindfulness and um all those things because i feel like most people kind of like maybe that's just because like i've read i've read a lot of stuff on that too and it just it's sort of like like yeah i get it but and like i see a lot of other people writing about it too but it's like (laughs) it's such like a natural reflex and i think it's it's maybe not even it's not reaching the people that it needs to reach Mm -hmm. and like you know definitely some of the people that are like in kind of senior positions who really affect cultures where like they don't really uh, support that value as much but um, definitely always timely always good stuff to read about uh, uh, all that kind of stuff so um, yeah absolutely and it's I feel like it's a trap that practitioners and student affairs in particular because it's a lens that I am interpreting all of these types of you know issues questions concerns through it's, we, we say yes to so many things, and part of it is our innate desire to help and serve others, but part of it is to make that calendar look good and look full. And you know, I'm actually working on a post that will go live in the SAC well before you all hear this, but it's talking about saying no, which I think is one thing that dovetails with the glorification of being busy is sometimes our inability to say no. I actually just had to step away from a commitment that I had made through volunteering for my congregation. It was a series of me saying yes to things and saying, of course, I'd love to share my insight. Of course, I'd love to share my insight. Of course, I'd love to share my Uh insight. And I ended up on three different committees and helping out with this new young adult outreach initiative and going to church every Sunday and helping out on certain nights. And it got to a point where one of those three committees is just such a large commitment, a committed committee, which is fantastic. And it really is going to do a lot of good for the life of the church. But I said to them, you know, I can't give you all of myself and I can't be mindful in these meetings because I can't make half of them because I'm juggling two other committees and, you know, just all the other work that I'm doing, you know, I need to step away from this. So I'll be talking a little bit more about my experience with that and just really hammering down that point of sometimes you have to say no, even if it's something you really want to do or it's something that you feel like you are, quote, supposed to do as a person or as a professional. It's better, in my opinion, to be able to give all of yourself to something rather than give 40% of yourself to that initiative because it's not serving you and it's not serving the folks that are depending on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, think, like, uh, um, I don't know if you've heard about it or read it or mm-hmm. uh, what, but there's like the 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 book that it's like the life-changing magic of tidying up uh, mm-hmm. uh which it's sort of that idea of like you make room for the things that give you joy and like that you know are you like get rid of old clothes to make room for the new ones instead of just like continuing to just <laughs> balloon out <laughs> your closet or something and it's like like yeah say no to something like because I, I tell this to students i was just talking to a student about this today like that um uh, I was asking him, like, oh, are you going to continue doing this thing next year, like student government? And he was like, no, nah, you know, it's just taking up a lot of my time. And, um, you know, he really wanted to do something else. I was like, yeah, totally. Like, I mean, you got to do stuff that, like, it all kind of aligns maybe, like, uh, you know, with, like, a particular goal. If, if it's sort of like, you know, I'm only going to take opportunities that are related to, you know, speaking about a, a particular topic or something. And if you're doing this thing out here all the way, like this random tangent, it's like, it's just taking up time and it's not getting you towards, 
like a particular goal or something. And I, I feel like mm-hmm. the, the students will kind of pile a lot of random things on their plates, but it's like, <laughs> you're doing these kind of disparate things that like, you know, this particular student was, you know, he's in our uh, communications uh, school and um, he wants to get more involved with theater. Like all those skills would be very transferable and relevant to, you know, working and communications or, you know, mm-hmm. anything like that. And it's like, yeah, like, do a thing and it's going to be like, you know, it's going to take up the same amount of time and like, you're going to be able to devote more of that time to it. If you, you know, say no to this thing, that's like, right. you know, you got a lot out of it. You, you, you've, you know, kind of taken advantage of that opportunity, but it's not really getting you where, where you want to go. But, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I guess this is, this is kind of like circling around, like, I guess it's circling around leadership stuff. I mean, like it's what leadership theories I think have helped teach us and how we can be, you know, better leaders oh, yeah. and teach others to be, uh, the same way as well but and now let's just made me think of something else um <laughs> because yeah. i the classic and i hate this word but i'll just use it because it's easiest just for the sake of simplicity i did the classic quote-unquote millennial thing <laughs> uh, i saw an article and i just read the headline but it made me think and i didn't read the actual article but and i don't know if you maybe read it or if you <laughs> saw it or what but it's, it's at least noteworthy enough that i probably you know, I guess it's idea because somebody just get the gist of the article. You have to read like the whole thing or just get a headline. And Jonas, it's like, don't make the headline too good for them to like, you know, like, I don't even want to read it. That's how good it is for summarizing what you're saying. But um, just the idea of like how leadership is like an emphasis of every college everywhere all the time. And I, I saw think, that. Yeah. Like I saw that headline and it's like, I, I think I get what they're saying because a world full of leaders, like too many cooks in the kitchen. So I think the sort of rebuttal to that, the answer to that is that like, it's not about everybody being a leader. It's about, I don't know, like the traits of just kind of like being a good human being. And just like, we choose to use the word leadership to kind of capture that. Um, and I'm curious yeah. what you think about that sort of thing of just like, uh, like an overemphasis on leadership or like it being sort of a misnomer or something um, or just maybe it's, it's meaning something else. Cause yeah, if we're just training every person on college campuses to be a quote unquote leader, then it's going to be, I don't know, useless or meaningless mm-hmm. or something. I'm curious what, what, you, what you think about that. That kind of just popped in my head. Yeah, actually it's, I'm really glad that you mentioned that article because I think, you know, we're saying, Oh, we're talking in circles and we're going on tangents. But I think, all of what we're saying is to say that leadership doesn't necessarily have to be the traditional definition of what you think a leader is. I joke all the time when Tina Fey says, leadership is not somebody running around saying, I'm the boss, I'm the boss. So I think my definition of leadership and my hope is that other people's definition of leadership is not necessarily standing in front of the room guiding the ship, but it's taking that time to be mindful. It's taking that time to have empathy, to have strong listening skills, to be able to hear out the members of your team and make them feel valued. You know, I think there's a lot of behind the scenes work that occurs in leadership and that leadership does not have to be that title. I talk about John Maxwell and his approach to leadership all the time on my blog. It doesn't have to be I'm the leader, I'm the boss. It's how can I use my skill set to, yeah, make myself a better person and to better serve this group of people that I'm working closely with and better serve my students. So I think in some ways, worrying about training all of the students and all of the colleges to be leaders in the traditional sense is problematic. But I think when we break down the definition and think about what the skills are for being a good leader and taking pieces of that big laundry list of skills and we're helping to instill those in students depending on what their skill set is, what their interests are, what their traits are. I think that does a world of good. 
So, you know, I think all that's to say if we're taking that time to be mindful and to listen to others, I mean, I think that's the makings of a great leader, no matter how they choose to lead. Hmm. Yes. All right. Um, and I'll, I'll link, I'll find that article and I will read it and I will link to it in the show notes. Um, I'll, I'll be curious to see what they actually wrote. Because yeah. I, I feel like sometimes people will just be like, like, hey, look at this thing that I don't think is right. And then they just like end it. And sometimes they're like, like, oh, this is an issue. But, you know, they kind of give some evidence of like that sort of uh, makes it simmer down, I guess. Like they give a very like full, uh, full rounded thing. So I'll be curious to see if it's just sort of like a. I don't know, for lack of a better term, sort of like a like a misguided alarmist. Like they'll just see a thing and be like, "Oh my God, what's going on over <laughs> here?" or something. Um, hopefully, it's a little know, more thorough than that, but we'll see. We'll link to we'll it see. regardless. And um, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so, I guess now to uh, wrap up, as we always do, um, what is your final thought that you'd like to end the episode with? Yeah. So. What I would say about just leadership and about all the things we've discussed over this time is no matter what your role is and how you choose to engage with your students and with the student affairs community as a whole, just be sure to be mindful. Take time to take care of yourself, but also to really carefully reflect on your experiences and how you can best serve others and how others can be best served by you. I think taking that individualized approach to leadership when you're able to do it just does so much good for our students. Yeah, absolutely. I I, kind of coined a different term that like, I feel like it kind of transfers mindfulness to like a lot of different things, like um, just like Zen status, you know, Mm -hmm. just like you Mm kind of keep calm and you're patient and you kind of like, I don't know, like you use your energy in a very like kind of focused and um, yeah, I feel like patient, just like, I feel like that word just keeps coming out of my mouth when we're talking about this. Cause yeah, it's like, I think some people are in a rush to, yeah, sort of with the, whatever their um, priorities might be is like, yeah, yeah, see as many students as possible, get as many through right, the door. Right, get them out of your office. Right, and just like, oh, I saw so many students did it. It's like, well, did you like really help them as best you could? You know, you didn't, yeah. you know, hey, weren't necessarily mindful of like who they were, what they need and all that. And um, yeah, I think we should all uh, definitely strive for, uh, you know, peak Zen status and mindfulness and patience and empathy and all that good stuff. And, uh, yeah, just wherever we work in uh, student affairs and however we interact with students. And, um, so I think it's definitely going to make a really positive impact and, uh, kind of maximize our efforts for sure. Definitely. Um, yeah. I had, and I have had many people say this to me, but even today I had a colleague of mine say to me, you know, you have, such a difficult job because you know your students necessarily don't have as much of a chance of getting into the nursing programs you know considering the academics level of the students that I'm working with and she said you know how do you cope with that how do you work with these students and I said it's patience it's all about patience and it's about understanding that student's individual situation academic and personal and professional and being able to in my mind, separate who I think can do this and make a, take a little more time, but who can really do this? And, you know, for those who may not be able to, you know, how can I redirect them to a program that will allow them to thrive at this institution? You know, so I think so much of that is patience. So much of that is being mindful that while it doesn't make this work easy, I think it makes it much easier when you think about it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that's applicable to anybody in student affairs. You know, we, we always have 
tough days, tough students, tough situations. But I think being patient and giving that individualized attention to that situation, to that student, it just it makes such a big difference. It really does for you and for them. Yeah, because I, I think that, that just made me think of like, cause I mean, there's like kind of the classic line, you know, just with kind of, um, uh, I guess the kind of an example of like when you're at orientation or like kind of a welcome day of some sort or open house, like you're going to get the same question several times, but you have right. to kind of uh, engage with the person as if it's, you know, the first time, so, you know, mm-hmm. and just be very positive and yeah, mindful and uh, kind of patient, all the things that we're talking about. And um, it makes me think of that, uh, like I was noting that we're uh, in the middle of uh, kind of RA applications and uh, mm-hmm. getting all that stuff out uh, that, I'll get students uh, emailing, asking kind of sort of self-evident questions, (laughs) like the answers they should know, or like it's uh, been said before. And it's that idea that I I need to, again, be mindful of like their context and, Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, like, I'll try to be patient. Or, like, I'll maybe start to write an email where I'll be like, "Well, as it said in the previous <laughs> email," or like, "As it said on the thing," you know. Um, and I'll be like, "Let me not say that," and I'll just yep. give them the answer because you know, uh, be mindful and you know, kind of aware that uh, students are definitely busy and have a lot going on, and you know, they maybe have just are kind of overwhelmed because they've never gone through a process like this before mm-hmm. or even applied to any kind of job. So um, definitely very, very uh, adaptable and applicable to any sort of situation. And um, yeah, just uh, interactions with the fellow human beings anywhere <laughs> in the planet, you know? Uh, so um, yeah, all very good stuff. I we'll have a bunch of cool stuff to uh, uh, for everyone to check out in the show notes and, yeah, I think this uh, went a couple different ways, a couple different tangents and stuff, but <laughs> I am very happy with it. And uh, I'm very happy that you, uh, Kim, were able to take some time out to uh, chat on the podcast here. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just make this a, an annual appointment. So just keep this time Sounds clear. Great. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope you have a good rest of your week and I will uh, talk to you later. You too, Dustin. I hope you take care and just slug through those as RA interviews, applications, course registration, and all the other crazy things we have coming up this spring. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. Just uh, one thing at a time. I'll take care of it. So. One thing at a time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Have a good one. Thanks. You too. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you want to help us out, leave us a review and rating on Stitcher or iTunes, or just share out the show so other people can find all the cool stuff we talk about every single week. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Student Affairs Spectacular Podcast.